Well, good morning, church. Uh, you guys heard me, but for those of you guys on the live stream, good morning, church. Um, we're glad you're here with us today. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church. And today we are continuing our study of prayer in the book of Luke. Uh, specifically today, we're going to be talking about uh, perseverance in prayer, persistence in prayer. And on a day when some of the air conditionings are, are not running great and you're still here, you guys are practicing persistence this morning. So I love it. And on a morning for the live stream, people, when the live stream cuts out and we have to roll it back up and restart, persistence. So if you're here, we're already on the right track. Uh, so let's look at what uh, the Bible has to teach us about persistence today. Uh, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Uh, we're going to be picking up where we were last week. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about what is prayer, and we said that prayer is a conversation with God. It is listening and responding to God in a way that transforms us as we go, listening and responding to God. And then last week, Pastor Kendrick took us into Luke chapter 11, where Jesus gives his disciples instructions, uh, answers to their questions, how do we pray? And Kendrick highlighted for us that disciples seek to know God in prayer, align themselves to his will, to depend on him daily, to find God's grace, and to seek God's protection. And now, as we continue along uh, from those first four verses of chapter 11 into verse 5, um, we're going to see more about the manner of prayer. So not what do we pray for, but how do we pray? Um, what attitude do we bring into our prayer? Um, and we're going to see today that Jesus calls us to pray with persistence because we are confident in who God is. We pray with persistence because we are confident in who God is. So let's dive in. We're going to read starting in Luke uh, 11, and we're going to read verses 5 through 8. So let's read together. And Jesus said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up, get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Let's go to God in prayer as we study this passage. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your good word to us and your instruction about how we can come to you in prayer. Father, today let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your eyes. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, these verses are a little jarring to jump into, and it's a pretty short section. What Jesus is doing here, he's moving from his instruction in the first four verses and giving them a story, a, a parable is what we call this. So this is not an actual event that's happened. It's a hypothetical situation that's meant to teach a specific point. And so it uses these different um, comparisons or metaphors or even allegories sometimes to teach us something, sort of a, a, an elaborate um, example. And in this story that Jesus tells, he talks about these two friends who are neighbors. And the first man, uh, in the middle of the night, receives unexpected visitors— shouldn't have been so uncommon. They were avoiding a hot day like today, traveling through the night, and they show up at midnight exhausted and, and, and just looking for some nourishment to recover from their journey. And this man has nothing to give them. It's the middle of the night. He can't run down to, you know, uh, Safeway and get some bread. And so he goes, does the next best thing. He knocks next door and says, I got to give, give these people some food. I, I need to provide for them. Um, and the second man, the neighbor here, 
um, is not very happy about this, right? Uh, he's asleep. He's minding his own business. It's the middle of the night, and his friend, uh, so-called, is pounding on his door saying, wake up, wake up, I need some bread. I got some people next door. Give me some bread. And so he responds like a lot of us would. He says, no, man, get out of here. I'm asleep. I'm in bed. The kids are asleep. That's not easy to do. I don't want to get them up and get them back down. I Go away. It's the middle of the night. Um, you know, he, he's, not, he's not here for this. He, he, uh, he just doesn't want to be a part of it. But this neighbor just won't stop. He just keeps knocking on the door saying, please, I need some food. I need the bread. Come on, just give me the bread. And, and he will not stop. And so finally, at the end, this reluctant neighbor will get up and he'll give him whatever he needs, it says. And he doesn't do that because of their years of friendship. He doesn't do that because of the favor his friend did for him just the other day. He doesn't do that because he cares about being a good neighbor and, and, and providing for the needs of others. He does it simply and purely because this guy won't stop. And he just wants to salvage whatever sleep he can from this situation. His persistence has paid off. The word it uses is impudence, his shamelessness almost. He will not take a hint. He is going to keep coming and coming and coming until he receives what he needs. And so he'll do anything to get some peace and quiet. There's another parable that Jesus tells us that teaches almost the same lesson. So I want to look at that real quick too. So flip in your Bibles a couple pages over to Luke chapter 18. Jesus is going to tell another parable that's remarkably similar and gives us some, some really similar lessons here. I think it's valuable to look at them together. So read with me. We're going to read the first eight verses of chapter 18 to see another story of persistence. It reads like this. And he told them a parable to this effect, that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? A similar story, right? In this story, we meet an unjust judge and a determined, persistent widow. This widow's suffered in some way. We don't know what. And the only option she has is to plead her case to the magistrate, to the judge who's responsible for keeping order and providing justice for the community. But unfortunately for her, this magistrate is a really bad one. He is unjust. And he doesn't care at all what God would want done in this situation. And he doesn't care at all for the needs of the people around him, for his neighbor. He doesn't care about the shame that he might take on himself for, for not caring for this vulnerable woman. And so she's sort of stuck. She has no hope. There's nowhere else she can go. There's no other resources at her disposal. And so she does the only thing that's available to her. She keeps coming and persistently pleading her case. Over and over and over and over again, she comes back and says, give me justice. And over and over and over again, he says, get lost. Until finally he says to himself, when you love this self, uh, you know, in a, in a hypothetical story, his, his very like, uh, you know, he knows himself. He says, I don't care about God or people, but I'm sick of this. 
I need to get this lady off my case. I need to get her to stop. So fine, here it is. Here, take what is right. Have your justice because I am tired of you. Uh, the exact phrasing in the original language says, she's going to beat me in the eye until she gets what she wants. She is persistent, and her persistence paid off. And again, it's not because of what is right. It's not because of what is legal. It's not because of public pressure. It's simply that unceasing persistence that pays off in the end. So with both of these stories are meant to teach us the value of persistence. Now, a couple weeks ago, we very briefly talked about what this means. Um, And Luke 18, verse 1, gives us a, a really good picture. Jesus tells them, kind of the moral of the story at the very beginning. He says that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. They are to continually pray no matter what happens, no matter how uh, they might feel discouraged, no matter how much they might be tempted to turn aside, they must keep praying. Persistence means to be firm or obstinate in our continuing in a course of action and to keep going in spite of difficulty or opposition. It means to refuse to let distractions or obstacles or discouragement slow us down. We keep praying no matter what. And by doing so, we are helped to faithfully follow Jesus no matter what. Both the man who runs out of bread and the persistent widow show us this sort of lived-out example of persistent prayer personified, right? Um, They received what they asked for because they would not stop asking. They were persistent. Now, these stories show us just sort of the value of persistence in general, right? In a sinful, broken world, sometimes the things that we need uh, will not come easily, right? Sometimes we'll face uh, an opposition that's like the reluctant neighbor. It's just difficult to do. It's difficult to find what we are looking for, and uh, it's just not going to come easily. And it'll take uh, just dogged determination to get there. Um, you think of like an author, right? The, the famous author Jack London, who uh, wrote The Call of the Wild and many other things. He's famous for having been rejected 600 times for his first article, which takes a lot of persistence to keep saying, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find someone to throw this thing out here and, and finally get there. That's persistence. And then the unjust judge shows us that sometimes persistence is needed to overcome sin. There are people who are in the wrong. They are not honoring God. They are not doing what they should. And at times persistence can overcome that sin. Um, to, to achieve what is just and good. So in a broken world, persistence obviously has value. But these parables show us that there is an even greater value then in our persistence with prayer because we are talking to God, not to sinful, limited, reluctant man. And that's really the point here. If persistence is effective with people who are reluctant, who are tired, who are limited, who are sinful, how much more will continuing to pray to God prove effective? Will it it come home? Will Will it achieve what we're trying to do? Because God is perfect in his goodness and power. Both the reluctant neighbor and the unjust judge are compared to God, and they're contrasted with God. We see the similarities and we see the differences. The reluctant neighbor has the provision, he has um, the, the substance that the other neighbor needs, right? He can provide for his material needs in that instance. In the same way, God is the one who provides for our material needs, our daily bread, our our financial resources, our security. God provides for us on a daily basis. And just as the unjust judge is supposed to be the one who is keeping order and, and, and making sure what is right and good happens in the community, God is the one who provides justice and vindication ultimately. So they they perform similar roles, but unlike these two, 
God is not limited in his character and his power, right? God is not going to be reluctant to provide for our needs, and God will never be unjust. And so our persistence will not meet these same obstacles. So we ought always to continue in prayer. God shows no limit in his strength and his ability, and he is not tainted at all by sin. He is perfect in his power, his goodness, and his generosity. What Jesus is teaching us in these stories is that we can have incredible confidence that God will answer our prayer. And so we should continually pray. We can easily become discouraged in prayer. It's so easy. There are so many distractions. Um, There are so many difficult times that we will go through that will make us feel like this is useless. I've, I've heard it said before that we need to stop praying now and do something. As if speaking to the creator and sustainer of the universe is doing nothing. But this parable reminds us that we must not lose heart, as Jesus said, and to pray always. He's not talking about a constant prayer, like you can't take time to talk to other people, you can't take a breath. But he's talking about this consistent pattern that at all times, in all situations, we bring our needs, we bring our joys, we bring our sorrows to God and invite him to be in that process. It's recognizing that we need him each and every moment. It's a persistent prayer that will not be stopped or distracted. And why should we do this? Why should we be persistent? Because God is not like us, and God will hear and answer. And that's how Jesus concludes the parable in chapter 18. In verse 7, he says, Will God not give justice to his people, to those who cry to him day and night, to those who pray with persistence? And the answer is, of course he will. Of course he will answer. Disciples of Jesus pray with persistence. Now, with this in mind, with this call to persistent prayer, I want to look at three um, parts of praying with persistence. Three um, different elements that we have to bring in. Three reasonings, three motivations that help us to be persistent in prayer, to take heart and never stop praying. The first is that we pray with persistence when there seems to be no answer. We pray with persistence when there seems to be no answer. There may be times where we are struggling, where we are hurting, where we are in pain, And no matter how much we pray, it seems that God is not listening to us. It seems that he does not hear. We can feel that our concerns perhaps are too small. That God is dealing with things that are far more important, far bigger than than me. So maybe he doesn't hear. And maybe worse, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe God doesn't want what is good for me. Maybe he doesn't want to give me what I need and and what um, what I need to survive. I know that there have been times in my life where prayer has seemed futile where you're in a a difficult time and there doesn't seem to be any light at the tunnel. There doesn't seem to be any answer to prayer. And you think, why am I doing this? You might be able to think of a specific time in your life as well. If you've been through those difficult times, it might take you back to that moment, to that feeling of helplessness where you can be tempted to despair and, and look to anything else. In these moments when it seems like prayer doesn't work and we're tempted to abandon prayer, it is more important than ever to be persistent in our prayer. The biblical authors, the writers of Scripture, share with us this same feeling. They know what it's like to be crying out to God and to feel like there is no answer. In Psalm 13, one of the most heart-wrenching cries of lament in the Bible, this is a cry of someone who is at their worst moment, who is going through pain and suffering and is on the verge of collapse. This writer um, in in Psalm 13, 1 and 2 cries out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Sometimes we feel this way, right? How long, oh Lord? How long is this going to last? How long will I wait for an answer and get only silence? This is the cry of one who is hurting and sees no end. Will you hide yourself from me, God? Will you always be silent? This is prayer expressing our real emotions, our real insecurities at our worst moments. But as painful as, our mo- as these moments are, we cannot stop. We cannot turn aside. We cannot relent in those times. We must persist. We pray persistently, especially when we do not hear the answer. Because in our deepest need, prayer is that lifeline that we dare not lose hold of, that we, we cannot let go of. In prayer, we have this this direct line to be able to pour out our hurt and our pain to God and to know that He hears us, to know that there is someone who hears and who understands and who has not abandoned us. It It is healthy. It is a way to sustain ourselves and to not despair and lose heart and give up in general. We may not hear an answer, but God promises that He hears us. And we see examples in Scripture that this is God And this is who he is, that when we cannot hear, God is moving, God is hearing, and God knows. In the book of Exodus, um, we find a perfect example. God's people, Israel, have received promises from God. They've been told that you are God's people, and you will be a multitude that will be used to bless the entire world. And you will have a promised land that that will be a wonderful land, a good land where you can thrive and grow. But they haven't seen that. They've spent the last 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And they've been feeling the lash of their slave master beat down on their back. And they've been out in the sun doing back-breaking labor. They've seen the Pharaoh throw their infants into the river so that they will not become too numerous. They are suffering and they are crying out to God. And they are not hearing anything. And that goes on for decades, for generations of people who grew up as children and lived their life crying out for deliverance and did not hear an answer. And in the midst of this pain and suffering, Exodus 2, 23-25 comes through. It said, During those days, or those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant, his promises, with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew When all seems silent, God hears, God sees, and God knows. He understands. He knows us deeply in a way that no one else possibly can. And deliverance is coming. We persist in prayer when we cannot hear an answer because we have that hope that God knows and deliverance is coming. These people would see deliverance. They would see rescue. And God worked miraculously to bring them to freedom. And we can have that same hope. God hears and God knows. We're ultimately talking about endurance, aren't we? We're talking about endurance. Persistent prayer helps produce in us endurance. Waiting on God for His timing. Waiting maybe not for the answers that we hope for and we want, but an answer nonetheless. An answer that comes from God's goodness. Pain and weeping may be all through the night, but joy does come in the morning. By persistence in prayer, we learn to follow God even when we do not understand and we cannot see the end. So we keep on praying and waiting 
to love and follow Jesus through anything. So we persist in prayer when we cannot hear an answer. Secondly, this leads us to why we can do this. We persist in prayer because we have confidence in God's character. Confidence in God's character. And this brings us back to the main idea of those parables. The, the, th- the main idea there is that God is not like the reluctant neighbor. God is not like the unjust judge. God is perfect in his goodness, in his love. And he will not treat us as these sinful, as these broken people may treat us. The Bible tells us so much of God's character that we can rest in, that we can be confident. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast, loyal love. That's what he told the Israelites who were suffering in Egypt. He is just and good. He will not allow evil to continue forever. He will come and he will put a stop to it. And in his son, Jesus, God shows his amazing capacity to forgive us at our worst, to forgive our sin and to renew us to new life in him. Perhaps more than anything, the Bible shows us that God is generous. God is generous to forgive freely. God is generous to provide for what we need. God is a sustainer and a provider. Every good gift that we have, Scripture tells us, from our family, from our health, from our career, from our talents, from our abilities, to the breath that we're breathing at this moment is a generous gift from God that comes out of his ocean of mercy that he pours out onto us. God is not withholding. God is not stingy. God is not reluctant to give us what we need to survive and to thrive. God is extravagantly generous. And as a good parent, God is not always going to give us what we want. Generosity does not mean we get everything we demand, right? As a child, it might seem like the best gift that my parent could give me is to let me eat nothing but chocolate cake and as much as I can get it, right? And it might seem wonderful and awesome at the time. But if that is all you ate and you just ate it to, until you puked, it would make you sick. It is not ultimately what is good for you. Like a wise and good parent, God gives us what we need. God gives us what we require. Not always the thing that in our ignorance and our brokenness and our lowliness we might ask for. But nevertheless, God does provide. And we can have confidence in this because God promises that he does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The God who generously provided for our needs in the past will provide in the future. The God who generously rescued Israel from Egypt will rescue us as well. The God who died on the cross in our place How much more will he not care for us in what we are going through now? God does not change. And so we can have confidence, even in the darkest moments. Look again at at Psalm 13. That that plea, that heartbreaking cry, how long, O Lord? But how does that psalmist answer? Where does he land here? In the final verses of that psalm, of that, that cry of suffering, he says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Even in our suffering, even when there seems to be no answers, we can sing because we know that we have a generous, loving God and he has dealt bountifully with us. God is no less loving and generous in our worst suffering than he is at our best moments. God is no less forgiving at our highest highs when we're following him and everything is going great than we are at our lowest lows where it seems like sin will never let us go. God is the same. We can rest in him. We can be confident. And so we can come to him over and over and over and over in prayer because we know he promises to hear. He will not change. 
Ultimately, this is trust, isn't it? This is trust. This is trusting that God will be who he says he is, that God will answer, God will provide, God will love us no matter what. The persistent prayer life is built on a foundation of trust in who God is and what he has promised to do. And persistent prayer comes naturally when we do trust in God, when we believe in his eternally good, loving, and generous character. And this brings us to our third one. We pray persistently when we can't hear an answer. We pray persistently because we're confident in who God is. And finally, we pray with persistence because of confident in, confidence in Jesus' work. We are confident in what Jesus has accomplished for us. In his life, his death, his resurrection, his burial and his ascension, his resurrection to, to life immortal. We, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, we can only pray through Jesus. We can only come to God because Jesus has brought us there. Jesus is the Savior who brings our requests into the throne room of God. And he is there as our advocate, as one who is pleading our case. We are not just sending messages that may, or not, may not be heard. They are being carried to the throne room, to the foot of God the Father by Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus will not fail in that work. Our prayers can be heard not because of what we can do, not because of how we can say them, but because Jesus is the one making sure that that happens. And that is something we can be incredibly confident in, that Jesus will do what he sets out to do. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 20. Hebrews is full of amazing assurances of who Jesus is and how we can trust that he is better than anything else we would find. And in chapter 10, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened through us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because we are followers of Jesus, we are united with him. We are buried with him in his death. We are crucified on the cross with him, but we are raised to new life with him. And so we can enter confidently into God's presence through prayer. Confidently. The throne room of God is not a place we can enter on our own uh, authority, right? On our own goodness. Uh, in the book of Esther, we see this, this picture of this, right? The king of Persia is the ruler of the world at that time. And even his own wife, Esther, cannot enter his throne room without the threat of death. The king can say, for the, the gall, for the confidence to say that you could just walk into my presence, I will have you executed. Because he is a great king who has unlimited power. God is not like that when we are in Christ. The, the very ruler of the universe says, come, you have free access at any time, at any moment, because you are with Jesus. We walk in with confidence because we can say, I'm with Jesus. And anywhere he can go, I can go with him. This is the promise of prayer. We approach God with full assurance. In prayer, we actually enter into God's presence, and we can bring our largest concerns and our smallest needs. And what an astounding privilege that is. God has promised to hear us. And so why not come as often as we have need? What is stopping us from being persistent, from being continual in our prayer, from being, uh, uh, forming a habit of always bringing our needs to God? There is no barrier stopping us. So we should not let any distraction, we should not let any discouragement keep us from this free access we have to approach the throne of God. Persistent prayer is bold. 
It's boldness. We are able to approach God as those who are saved and washed in the blood of Jesus. Period. These things inform our persistent prayer life, right? We have confidence in God's character. We have confidence in the work of Jesus. And so we should follow Jesus' exhortation here to not lose heart and to continue in prayer. But how can we do this? What are ways that we can grow this in ourselves? If these are the motivations, if these are the truths that inform our prayer, how can we put it into practice? Well, I have a few ways here. I have a few practical things that I think we can do to help form a life of persistence in prayer. We'll go through them quickly. I think first we can pray often. We can pray often. We can find the regular times and places. We can find the regular rhythms that we build into our life of prayer, whether we feel, it, feel like it or not. And this is about forming habits, right? When we are pressed, when we go through difficulty and trials, what remains are habits. The, the, the walls that we have built slowly over time, brick by brick, piece by piece, the habits will remain when, when we are at our worst. When we are squeezed, what is truly inside comes out. And so by praying often, we can build this habit of coming before God in prayer. Second, we can pray with repetition. We can continue to pray for the same things, right? We, we may think we've got it covered, uh, but that's not how it works. By praying continually, we keep these things on our mind. We keep our mind in the correct place. We, we can really, truly express what we need, even as we continue to not see the answer. It's okay to pray for the same thing over and over and over, to continually approach God with the same request, because He will not become weary of hearing them. Right? He's not the reluctant neighbor who said, you keep banging on my door, go away. No, he says, come in, share with me, bring your concerns to me in prayer. And it's a reminder that prayer is not for God's benefit, right? God knows what we need before we say it even once. Prayer is for our benefit. Prayer is reminding us that these things are in God's hands and not in our own, and that we need him each and every moment. So pray with repetition. Third, we pray specifically. We pray specifically. This goes to that same idea. We don't list things as a magical formula to get them, right? God doesn't need us to outline specifically what we mean because he's not sure. No, this is for our benefit. There's nothing that zaps your uh, confidence in your prayer. There's nothing that zaps our desire to pray than being just overly general, being overly vague. Help me, God, with, you know, life. Uh, That's not helpful. But to become specific, to have a conversation as we would with a close friend where we outline exactly what's happening, exactly what we need, is beneficial for us. It helps us to have real and lasting conversation with God and real honesty with God in our prayer. So don't be afraid to pray specifically. Next, we can pray in writing. We can pray in writing. When I'm praying uh, in just my own thoughts, I am scatterbrained right? And my thoughts wander to and fro, and then we think about our grocery list, and we think about the, you know, things that are due, and all these things we have to do, it crowds out what we're thinking. And so by pausing for a moment and writing what we're praying, we focus our thoughts. We clarify, we we bring out all the noise so that we can focus, and we can be persistent and consistent in what we are praying. And by writing down our prayers, it also gives us a beautiful tool to look back on God's faithfulness in the past. There were times in my life where I was writing through the things that we were struggling with. And at the time, it felt like there was no answer that could possibly come. It felt like we were stuck. And now if I go back, I can look and see, man, that felt like the end of the road. It felt like I was gone. There was no way out. But this is how God came through. And this is what happened out out of nowhere. God provided for our needs. God gave us everything that we needed to go forward. 
We have a written record. We've got the receipts to prove that God hears us and God answers prayer. We pray in writing. Next, we can pray with other people. We invite other people into our prayer life to, to see what we're needing. Um, this is being honest and, and being built up by our community, by brothers and sisters in Christ. And this gives others the benefit, the joy of being able to pray for us, to being able to lift us up and bring our needs before the Father. It unites us together. And it helps us with all these things to be specific, to be consistent, to keep this mindset and attitude of prayer when we invite other people into our prayer life as well. And finally, we can pray expectantly. We can pray expectantly. We can remember that when we speak to God, He hears us. And He has promised to care for our needs. We can expect an answer to prayer. Now, none of these things are formulas to help us unlock the secret of prayer and achieving whatever we want. God cannot be controlled. God cannot be twisted, can't twist His arm to get what we want, right? God is not a genie that if we use the correct wording and the correct methods, then we can just have everything unlocked for us. No, these are methods that are designed to help us. They're designed to crowd out the noise and the distractions and the discouragement so that we can pray with persistence, so that we can have clear conversations with God. We said before, the problem in prayer is not on God's side. It's all on ours. The conversation is open. God can speak to us clearly. Our problem is hearing and speaking back to him. So these things are, are simple ways that we can help develop this, this prayer life, uh, develop a habit um, to become better conversationalists, if you will, and to know God more. So as we conclude here, we see that these parables in Luke 11 and 18, Jesus gives them to us so that we would pray always and not lose heart. Now these two things are connected. The way that we do not lose heart, the way that we, we stand firm and do not become discouraged, do not leave our faith behind, is because we continually come to God in prayer. Prayer is essential for remaining faithful, for, for keeping the heart, for, for taking heart and moving forward. And so I think it's interesting how Jesus leaves us in, in chapter 18. He concludes by asking us a question. He turns it. He's been talking about who God is and what God has promised to do. And then he flips it and he points it back at his disciples, at disciples of Jesus like you and I. And he gives us a question. He asks, when he comes again, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will Jesus find persistence in our prayer lives like the neighbor, like the widow? Will we leave behind our connection to God? Will we neglect to speak with our God and Savior? Or will we be found faithful? Faithful followers of Jesus pray with persistence. Let's close in prayer. Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful because without it, we would not, we would not have these promises that we can rest on. That we would be left wondering, is there anyone who hears us? Is there anyone who will come through in our time of need? And Father, you have not given us tiny promises. You have not given us a glimmer of hope. You have given us sure confidence. You have told us and assured us that you are a God who is merciful and loving and generous. And you have showed us in Jesus that we have free access to come before you, Lord. That as your people, we can approach you in conversation. 
Father, we thank you for this privilege. And we pray that you would help us to not lose heart. That you would help us not to be distracted. To not lose focus. Father, I pray that we would be a people of prayer. A people who persist in prayer no matter what comes. And that in our prayers you would lead us to know and love Jesus more and more each day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.